The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. To access inner resources to create the most productive, loving, and joyful life, Each of us needs to awaken to explore in depth who we really are. Welcome to Explorations in Consciousness with Dr. Joe. Today, we'll learn what our past lives can tell us about our present life and understand how our beliefs create our reality. Now, here is Dr. Joe Mancini. Good morning, everyone. I'm Dr. Joe Mancini, your host for Explorations in Consciousness with Dr. Joe. I'm a certified clinical hypnotherapist and spiritual counselor in private practice in Maryland. And now for those who are new listeners, I want to speak briefly, as I usually do, about the overall focus of the show. In various ways on this show and every episode, we will examine how to access inner resources to create the most productive, loving, and joyful life. To accomplish that goal, each of us needs to awaken, to explore in depth who each of us really is to recognize oneself as a compassionate, multidimensional being made of God stuff, and to accept responsibility for being the co-creator with all that is of every bit of one's reality. The series of 13 episodes that began on August 13th will focus on what past lives can tell us about who we really are. My guests and I will examine several related topics, such as the true nature of past lives, soul mission and karma, the multidimensional self, reincarnating soul groups, intact group past life regression, soul contracts, how to change past lives, natal regression, using past life regression to capture lost history, and other such topics, including today's topic, accessing the Akashic records to gain knowledge of past lives. A further aid to all this exploration are the concepts about past lives and other metaphysical matters that were voiced by Seth that energy personality essence channeled by Jane Roberts from 1963 to her passing over in 1984. Rich Kendall, one of the so-called New York boys who attended Jane's ESP classes in the early 70s, shared with us at the beginning of the series some of Seth's ideas about past lives. You can access that show and others by going to the episode directory on my Voice America homepage. Just a quick note about last week's episode, Joanna and Stuart, had so much information about Mary Magdalene that they have written an account of her life based on on their trilogy, an account that is being turned into an independent movie by Fred Fuchs, a well-known film producer from Toronto. The screenplay is now written, and they are looking for financing for the film. They can be reached by going to their website, www.foundationforcrystalchildren.com. I also want to remind my listeners of the workshop I will be doing November 16th and 17th in in Bellsville, Maryland, with Dana and Shana Robinson, my guests from three weeks ago on this show. It is called Future Life Progression and Shamanic Journey. In addition, I am facilitating a group past life regression 
open to anyone on Thursday night, October 24th, at my home office in Rockville, Maryland. Quite soon, I will be offering teleclasses on metaphysical topics, classes in which registrants and I will be able to connect in a more interactive manner. Moreover, anyone who wants a session in any of the modalities presented in this series should contact me. If you're not able to come in person, I can do most of these sessions on Skype. To inquire about any of these workshops or services, or to be on my email list, please email me at soulserver at erols.com, S-O-U-L-S-R-V as in Victor, R, at E-R-O-L-S.com. Or you can call me at 301-526-2043 or go to lifetransforminghypnotherapy.com for more details. All that contact info is also on my homepage. And now to my guest and topic for for today. My guest is Nancy Ubel, MBA, CHT, RT, and QAHT. And I will be talking with her about what the renowned psychic Edgar Cayce has said about past lives and their purposes, as well as the effect of his perspective on her own teaching and facilitation of past life regression. Focusing principally on the past lives in Atlantis that Cayce revealed in his readings for others, Nancy will share with us the main implications those past lives have for us today, especially since many Atlanteans have apparently reincarnated during the present time. And now I say good morning, Nancy, and welcome to the show. Good morning, Joe. It's great to have you. Well, Thank the, you. First, the first question I want to ask you is, uh, well, who is Edgar Casey? Some people, many, many people know who they are, but some of my listeners may not. Who is Edgar Casey, and how did he come to do his readings? Well, Edgar lived from 1877 to 1945, and he is the most documented psychic of the 20th century. And he gave over 14,000 psychic readings. Um, The majority of them dealt with holistic health, treatment of illness, uh, but in total the readings discussed 10,000 different topics although primarily they were health-related, philosophy and reincarnation, dreams and dream interpretation, ESP and psychic phenomena, and spiritual growth, meditation, and prayer. Wow. Now, he had a really interesting history in how he came to give these readings. And clearly this was something that he had intended to do when he came into this lifetime. He was a very intuitive child and very religious. Uh, In fact, when he was only 10, he became a sexton at the local Christian church, now known as Disciples of Christ. And when he was 13, he he was in the woods uh, reading the Bible for hours and asking to be of service to the Lord. And later that evening, an angel appeared to him and told him that his wish would be granted and that his purpose was to help the sick and afflicted. And uh, he knew that he would would be doing God's work. And then that was followed by an incident when he he, uh, wasn't very good at schoolwork and his father was trying to uh, 
quiz him on spelling, and Edgar fell asleep on the book, his <laughs> spelling book, and when he awoke, he knew everything in the book and was able to spell everything in how the many, book. How many students listening wish they could do that? <laughs> <laughs> I think most people. <laughs> most people. But then he carried on his life, and uh, he became a traveling salesman, insurance agent, but then he lost his voice. This was really key. He lost his voice in, uh, when he was 23, and then uh, when he was 24, a hypnotist, the last man who was a stage hypnotist, came to town, put, Trace, uh, put Casey in a, a trance, and Casey was able to diagnose the problem with his voice and his voice returned. And then he, be, he, that was actually his first psychic reading. And wow. then he began working with a chiropractor in town and giving readings for uh, patients. And he became, he, he started to gain some fame, but many times he uh, veered off that track. Uh, because he wasn't sure about the value of the readings or if that was what he was supposed to be doing. When you say he wasn't sure about the value of the readings, does that mean that uh, he wasn't getting feedback about uh, how effective the readings were? Or he just doubted himself? Well, uh, part of it was that when when he was in trance, Casey, uh, when... Casey was awake, he didn't know what he said when he was in Uh, trance. And there were people who were manipulating him and asking him questions that uh, were not of the highest spiritual value. They were asking for uh, how to bet on the horses and Mm -hmm. stock prices and so forth. And this affected him physically because of the nature of this work. And so from time to time, he would would give up. But um, he, uh, his second child was born and died, and he didn't give a reading for that child. And then not very long after that, his wife Gertrude developed tuberculosis, and he gave her a reading that saved her life. And that, then that convinced wow. him of, his, of their value. Okay, so he was, that was it. He... he could see very clearly the effect of, uh, did, did he tell her what was wrong and then prescribe medications? Yes. And some of those medications were uh, nature provided, right? They were not um, produced by a pharm- pharmacy? Or were uh, they primarily all? Primarily, yes. Primarily, yes. Although in many of the readings, he recommended chiropractic adjustments and, and other types of, of things. And did he get um, much pushback from the medical establishment? I'm sure he must have. But, you know, communication wasn't the same then as it is now. There's not instant knowledge of what's going on. So how did he come? He had been doing a lot of um, health readings for quite a long time. Then one day in 1923, I think it was, something different happened. Uh, well, just preceding that, he had moved to Selma, Alabama. He and his family had moved to Selma, Alabama, and he started a photography school. And this was another time when, when he initially gave up the, 
gave up the readings because of the people who were giving him the suggestions that weren't of the highest value uh, or the highest spiritual benefit. And then his uh, six-year-old son uh, burned his eyes from the flash powder uh, in the photography studio. That was Hugh Lynn Casey, who later ran the organization that Casey started, the Association for Research and Enlightenment, the ARE. And the son asked Casey uh, to give him a reading to help him with his eyes because the doctors wanted to take out his eyes. Oh, my gosh. And they, uh, and he recovered. And again, that proved their value to Casey. And uh, one day in 19, actually in 1921, Arthur Lammers, who was a wealthy printer from Dayton, Ohio, walked into his studio because he had heard about Casey. And Arthur was very interested in theosophy and questions about the nature of man and birth and death and why we're here. And he wanted to quiz Casey about, about that in the trance state. And so in 1923, Arthur moved Casey and his family and their stenographer, Gladys Davis, to Dayton to start giving readings. And so Lammers was probing Casey with all of these different questions about alchemy and um, the mystery religions and so forth. And he asked Casey to give him what was at that time called a horoscope reading. And uh, in the trance state, Casey gave him a a brief horoscope, but said that astrology was misunderstood. And it couldn't properly be understood without a knowledge of reincarnation. Hmm. And then at the end of this third reading for Lammers, he said that this was Lammers' third appearance in the earth plane and that in the prior reincarnation he had been a monk. So this was quite a shock to Casey. And why, and why was it a, such a shock to him? Well, it was because of this very conservative, Protestant, Christian upbringing. And I've got this great quote that Casey um, told Lammers. He said, but what you've been telling me today and what the readings have been saying is foreign to all I've, I've believed and been taught and all I've taught others all my life. If ever the devil was going to play a trick on me, this would be it. <laughs> so he was really tortured by the information that came through in this reading because he didn't think that it was in the Bible, reincarnation was in the Bible, and that it went against everything he had ever been taught. And he was teaching Sunday school classes. So it took him quite a long time before he came to believe in the concept of reincarnation and recognize that the information that people were getting from his readings and other areas were helpful and accurate. Uh, But it was a process for him. You know, this is interesting because it reminds me of the fact that um, Jane Roberts, when she first channeled Seth about reincarnation, was pretty scandalized by the whole topic. 
um, she wouldn't even let Seth uh, talk about it for quite some time. And it took her, for different reasons, uh, some time to wrap her mind around that, that uh, phenomenon as well. It's so interesting that the two, what I consider the two greatest psychics of the last century, had the same issue with opening into reincarnation. But fortunately, both of them were able to do that. Um, and so much more came out of the readings and channelings that they did. Uh, So that's really interesting. And before we go to break, I do want to mention, we're going to be talking um, some about the early years uh, of um, Atlantis and even before that, and uh, what Casey said about thought forms being the beings that first inhabited the planet. If you go to um, uh, Dreams, uh, Evolution, and Value Fulfillment, the two volumes that uh, Jane channeled uh, from Seth, you will find very similar information. Uh, it's, it's fascinating to compare the, uh, the two accounts. Anyway, we are about to take a break. And you are listening to Explorations in Consciousness with Dr. Joe. I'm Dr. Joe Mancini. And we'll be right back with more from my guest, Nancy Ubel, CHT, about Edgar Casey's revelations about Atlantis. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Have you thought that there may be more to your life than you know? Maybe you're puzzled by coincidences that seem to happen out of nowhere. Or possibly you have a sense of deja vu in a place you have never been before. What about those dreams that seem to materialize right before your eyes? Or bring startling, clear images of loved ones who have passed over? These are only a few of the great many topics that you can find much more about by having a hypnotherapeutic session with Dr. Joe Mancini. Dr. Joe is a clinical hypnotherapist certified by many national and international hypnosis organizations specializing in spiritual hypnotherapy. Dr. Joe can help you discover much more of who you really are and why you came here this time around. Joe's clients repeatedly emphasize his vast spiritual knowledge, amazing skills, and great heart. He establishes a safe, caring environment in which individuals feel free to be all that they are. Call Joe at 301-526-2043 or reach him by email at soulserver at errols.com to find out more. That's 301-526-2043 or by email at soul, S-R-V-R, at E-R-O-L-S dot com. Visionary. Be extraordinary. Be the change. This is the Seventh Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. You are listening to Explorations in Consciousness with Dr. Joe. To reach Dr. Joe Mancini or his guest, Please call into our program at 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to soulserver at errols.com. That's soul, S-R-V-R, at errols, E-R-O-L-S, dot com. 
Now, back to Explorations in Consciousness. Welcome back, everyone. This is Dr. Joe Mancini hosting Explorations in Consciousness with Dr. Joe. Talking with my guest, Nancy Yubel, CHT, about what Edgar Casey said about many things, including what was going on in Atlantis thousands of years ago. First, Nancy, I'd like to ask you uh, to tell our listeners uh, why Casey thought, finally, that reincarnation was so important to know about it and the whole phenomenon of it. Uh, Well, Casey believed that we're spiritual beings that are having a physical experience in the earth and that we're here to learn lessons ones and correct negative patterns that we had created in previous lifetimes and change them to the positive and then use them in a co-creative way so that we could return to our former state of spiritual awareness, that we can bring a measure of spirituality in the earth. And for him, it didn't matter if if the person who was getting the reading believed in reincarnation or not, but what he wanted them to do was become aware of their true nature as a divine being. So it didn't matter if a person was a king or a peasant, um, but that they focused on the challenges and opportunities that they came into this lifetime to work with and to work with free will and align it with divine will. And in my own practice, uh, that's not what, when clients come in for a past life regression, that's not what we're uh, looking at primarily. Okay, so, so tell us about, uh, about, about Atlantis. Atlantis. Um, Atlantis was um, the time of Atlantis, according to the Casey readings, was approximately 200,000 B.C. up to about 9,500 B.C. So Atlantis uh, was uh, from uh, 200,000 B.C., approximately, according to the Casey readings, to about 9,500 B.C. So actually quite a long period of time. And it was one of the oldest land areas. And it was also one of the places where humans made their first appearance. And so that landmass was quite large. It occupied most of what is now the Atlantic Ocean. Our present eastern seaboard was the coastal region. Um, there were some parts of Europe. And so it stretched between the Gulf of Mexico and uh, the Mediterranean. Um, many other people have thought that Atlantis was in other places around the globe, including uh, Antarctica, when the land masses were in a different place. Uh, but most people um, feel or agree with Casey that it was in the Atlantic, uh, especially along the Atlantic Ridge. Okay, so Nancy, go on uh, with what you were saying. Uh, that's where the location of Atlantis was, according to Casey. And uh, what happened? <laughs> well, what happened, um, the Atlanteans, let me give you a little background about the Atlanteans. They were the red race of the, the five races that came into to the, 
to the earth. And they were considered the perfect uh, race. Now, when they came into the land of Atlantis, it was already inhabited by monstrosities that had been created by these thought forms. Um, because when we were created as souls, we could uh, inject our energy into objects and beings and animals, and we started doing that. And as we experienced the the emotions in the in the earth, um, we became more and more stuck. The, the energy started to coalesce, and then we forgot who we were. And so monstrosities were created because uh, we had injected ourselves into all sorts of animals and things, and, and these had existed for hundreds, according to Casey, hundreds of thousands of years before. And there were all kinds of shapes and sizes, from pygmies to giants, and then there were many abnormalities because of the mixing with animals. Now, when the Atlanteans first came in, they, it was peaceful. And they were considered to be the sons of God because they were very aware of their connection with God. And that it was the one God. And they wanted to be fruitful, multiply, replenish, subdue the earth. And at, at that time, these other thought forms or beings, they, they weren't organized and they didn't offer any resistance. And the souls with the perfect bodies continued to um, enter in and to help bring the balance. But later, this caused a conflict as they started to turn away from the, the divine will. They banded together. They had family and, and clan life. They ate herbs and flowers. And they used animal skins to co- cover their reproductive organs because that's what had caused problems with the um, sexual relationships with the monstrosities. Uh-huh. Okay. Go on. Go on. Okay. Um, And the Atlanteans, uh, for some reason, developed faster than the other four races. And uh, initially, they were that peaceful people. Um, They made balloons. I think this is particularly important because this was found in other lands also where the Atlanteans migrated to. They made balloons from the hides of elephants and other animals, and then they used this to move building materials. So they were able to move very uh, big objects with these balloons and also their, their spiritual powers, which were very much intact. And, but these monstrosities and these mixtures, um, they were making very little progress, but they did start to lose their animal appearance and instincts because of reincarnation and intermarriage. But then the animals became a big problem. There were these huge carnivorous beasts, maybe the dinosaurs, you know, the giant predator fowl, and they were roaming the the forests and valleys, and it was only because these Atlanteans um, 
had had psychic powers and communication skills and could do astral travel that they survived because they could outwit the these animals because um, their occult powers were were very developed. that there may be more to your life than you know? Maybe you're puzzled by coincidences that seem to happen out of nowhere. Or possibly you have a sense of deja vu in a place you have never been before. What about those dreams that seem to materialize right before your eyes? Or bring startling, clear images of loved ones who have passed over? These are only a few of the great many topics that you can find much more about by having a hypnotherapeutic session with Dr. Joe Mancini. Dr. Joe is a clinical hypnotherapist certified by many national and international hypnosis organizations specializing in spiritual hypnotherapy. Dr. Joe can help you discover much more of who you really are and why you came here this time around. Joe's clients repeatedly emphasize his vast spiritual knowledge, amazing skills, and great heart. He establishes a safe, caring environment in which individuals feel free to be all that they are. Call Joe at 301-526-2043 or reach him by email at soulserver at erals.com to find out more. That's 301-526-2043 or by email at soulservr at erols.com. You are listening to Explorations in Consciousness with Dr. Joe. To reach Dr. Joe Mancini or his guest, please call into our program at 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You may also send an email to soulserver at erols.com. That's soul, S-R-V-R, at erols, E-R-O-L-S, dot com. Now, back to Explorations in Consciousness. Hi, everyone. Again, we're still having technical difficulty. Hopefully, that's now at an end. Okay. So, Nancy, um, would you continue where you left off? You were talking about the monsters that had been created by the original thought forms who injected um, their uh, energy into just about everything on the earth. Right, right. Well, originally the Atlanteans were able to control these with, with their will, but then they also began to descend more into material consciousness and started to lose their sense of connection to spirit. And as a result, these animals became more of a problem with them. And so the five races met to develop a plan um, of action. And what they did was uh, discuss use, they wanted to use uh, potent chemical forces in, from the elements of the earth and the air, um, which they did. They were able to do that but it had far-reaching consequences, I think, that reverberate today. 
because uh, when they used these explosives, they blew open huge gas pockets in the earth that caused earthquakes and volcanic eruptions, and it actually caused the earth to shift on its axis, which is perhaps why some people are looking in the Antarctic, Um, and it started the last ice age. Wow. My dog. Uh, <laughs> it is, this is starting to sound eerily, eerily familiar. Yes. Um, yes. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> so um, some of the land um, uh, off, the, off the west coast of Cuba sank into the water, and the rest of it was broken up into large, several large islands that had canals, ravines, bays, and streams. And the temperature, the climate actually changed from a, a temperate one to more torrid, more tropical. Mm-hmm. And there were a few um. migrations at that time, um, and those went uh, both east and, and west. Um, the, the technical went to the east, and the agricultural went to the west. And, and so they moved to the Pyrenees Mountains and France and Spain, where the Basque people live now, and then later to Central and South America. So that so, was the first upheaval. And that was so it sounds like the Atlanteans seeded themselves all over the earth. In many, in many different places. Mm-hmm. And, in fact, I was doing a little bit of research on the, the DNA studies that have been done, and it looks like there's one particular strain of DNA or some subset of that because I'm, I, that's not my area of expertise that um, is related to a small number of people around the world. So these could very well be the Atlanteans. But this mm-hmm. was the, the small migration for the first after they blew up the earth, so to speak. <laughs> and what happened to the animals or the monstrosities? Well, um, they, they were used almost like domesticated animals and beasts of burden. And there was a big division between the Atlanteans, the ones that um, thought that they shouldn't be treated in that way, and that others who looked on, on them as slaves and, and lower beings. And um, so there was a lot of um, strife and turmoil as a result of that. And, and then there became the mixing of the lineages, which caused uh, the Atlanteans to go even further into materiality. And then there were those who followed um, a probably lesser god, the god Belial, and he was one of the fallen ones, but he still, this God, so to speak, still retained control over matter, but used it in an evil way. And so they were actually using occult powers, hypnosis, mental telepathy to dominate these, and and they were bred like cattle. And at that time, they were known as things. They were untouchables, Mm -hmm. automatons. Okay. Not very Nancy, pleasant. Nancy, before you go further in, in the history, which is uh-huh. fascinating in and of itself, um, 
I'd like my listeners to know, because I, I'm not sure you mentioned it, though I hinted at it earlier, where Casey was picking up this information. Where were um, we picking it up from? Yes, good question. Um, Casey got his information from two sources. If it was a health reading, he actually went to the person's subconscious and got the information from the person's subconscious. But for information like reincarnation and Atlantis, he himself traveled in the trance state up to the Akashic Records that hold the memory of all things and retrieve that particular information based on the questions that were presented to him when he was in a trance state. They were generally given to him by his wife, Gertrude, not always, but for the most part by his wife. And there were a number of people there, and the quality of the readings uh, depended to a large degree on the consciousness of the people that were there with Casey when he was in trance. Um, say more what that means. Well, for example, when they were asking him which horse was going that that they should bet on, okay. um, he may have been able to give them the information, but the quality of the reading wasn't wasn't that good, and it had a physical impact on Casey himself. But when the questions were of a high spiritual nature, it was, it, it's apparent in the, the reading itself and also on its impact on Casey and the others. Okay. So uh, one could not properly say that Casey was a trance channel the way Jane Roberts was. That's correct. Okay. He did, he did right. not channel get... in the typical way that we think of channeling. Okay. All right. He, he retrieved the, the, the information himself. Okay. So let's go back now to um, that continuing history of Atlantis. Um, we ended with the first destruction of Atlantis around 50,000 years ago. And then what happened? Well... There, there, there was more unrest, um, even though the material side of the civilization was, was reaching new heights. Uh, there was, although there was plenty, there was still a lot of strife, and altars for human sacrifice came into being as, as people turned away from the one God, sun worship increased, and only the children of the law of one remained true. And, and the standards of, of morality, sex, indulgence, indulgence, perversion, that became rampant. Poverty and hunger uh, was wide, widespread among the peasants and the working class and those they viewed as, as being less than them. And, and actually the physical and spiritual bodies also deteriorated. Um, so although... There was great material advancement, scientific achievements. There was inner decay. The mm-hmm. spiritual life was decaying, and that was their undoing. And the second destruction occurred around 28,000 B.C., and there were um, volcanic eruptions, electrical storms, and many of these large islands were submerged. 
They were lost. And this is said to relate to the story of Noah and the flood in the Bible. Mm-hmm. So most of the, the islands, the, the main island was Poseidia, which was in the West Indies area. And then another one in Central Atlantic. And at this time, although originally they had all spoken the same language, uh, when these were divided into uh, different islands, uh, with only a few remainings, they began speaking different languages, which w- w- created a problem after they began migrating. Mm-hmm. I see that. And, and then there were uh, no other than large movements of people uh, began going to the the uh, other parts of the world, toward the Yucatan. Um, actually, a, a portion of Kentucky, Indiana, Ohio, uh, where there are the mound builders. Mm-hmm. And uh, after the second destruction, eventually, I'm sorry, after the first destruction, eventually um, the Atlanteans regained um, the technology they had lost and then some. Is that correct? Well, they built on it, yes. They built yes. on it. And, and what do you recall was the, the reason why the second destruction happened in around 28,000 BC? Um, well, they turned away from their source and the the god source, and they became more stuck in the physical, and there was um, perversion of all kinds. Was 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 there also again misuse of the crystal? Uh, the crystal, the really, they had? Uh, there isn't not a lot of mention of the crystal and the mis- misuse of the crystal uh, until the after the. Second, uh, okay. the the second period of destruction, because that's when they really what we think of as the achievements of the Atlanteans really happened after that second destruction. And and it was after the in the third period uh, mm-hmm. of the Atlantean civilization. That's more of what Plato talked about. Is that right. correct? Okay. So get us there. What happened in the third uh, segment of that history? Okay. Well, that's when they started rebuilding, and uh, they combined their scientific minds with their energy, and they were aggressive, too. <laughs> and so mm-hmm. they, they achieved great accomplishments in mechanics, chemistry, physics, psychology, because they were a, uh, a superior people. These were really a mental people, very focused on the mental and the use of spiritual powers. So they discovered electricity, uh, atomic power. They understood how to use atomic power from uranium. They used it in transportation and movement of heavy objects, but it was also abused for selfish purposes. Um, they had efficient systems of heating and lighting. They were able to communicate with people in other lands. They used light rays, including laser beams. They had a death ray. <laughs> Sounds like Flash Gordon, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Or Nicholas and, Tesla. Um, they manufactured liquid air um, and 
uh, compressed air and rubber. They had alloys of brass, aluminum, uranium, which they used in the construction of their air and their watercraft and submarines. Um, They had telephone elevators. Uh, They could amplify light rays through a telescope and photograph at long distances. Uh, And they they fabricated many kinds of body ornaments. And uh, their, but their most notable scientific uh, accomplishment was harnessing the sun's energies for spiritual communication between the finite and the infinite. And they had this, they had huge reflective crystals. And this became a generator of power and it, and they could radiate this power over the land without wires. And this, the great crystal was known as the, the fire stone. And, and, about how, um, about how big was that? Oh, it was a very large. It had six sides, many facets, and it was suspended from the center of a ceiling, uh, and a dome was rolled back. Uh, for exposure to the sun, and then the sun's rays were amplified and concentrated through the prisms of the crystal so that they became very intense and and so powerful that this energy could be trans, transmitted uh, throughout the island, mostly the island of Poseidia, um, in invisible beams uh, similar to radio waves. Absolutely amazing. Yeah, they they also rejuvenated their bodies uh, using the rays from the crystals. So, but what ha- what happened then to lead to the third and final destruction? Okay, well, it was used for dis- the crystal was used for destructive purposes, not exclusively, but they actually used it for torture and punishment. And um, even though this wasn't intentional, it was turned too high and contributed toward the destruction. Amazing. Okay, so some of my listeners might be thinking, so why do we need to know all this? Of what service to us is there in accessing this past history? I think it's to understand ourselves, uh, why we're here in the earth at this time, and also what is happening uh, worldwide. Because Casey said that there were many Atlanteans returning in the 20th century, and that uh, many of them were incarnating in America. Now, probably all or most of your listeners were born in the 20th century, so that mm-hmm. probably includes us. I know for a fact, when, when I read that they were able to manufacture liquid air, I worked for a company called Liquid Air. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> but well, you, you uh, so as a soul time. group, we're back again to remedy what we, um, those distortions we had created in the past. 
and to use this knowledge because we had very a very high spiritual connection. We're able to use our spiritual powers to use them in a way that's going to be of benefit, not just for ourselves, to awaken everyone to their true nature and bring us back to the law of one, according to the Atlanteans. And I think that we can see it looking at our world now that it's very clear that the advances in technology, just like us being able to have this Internet radio conversation uh, is a skill that we developed in Atlantis. So, so we have a choice. Casey said this was a testing period for us, um, that we can be a channel of blessings, and what we do now, what we decide, how we decide to use our abilities and our thoughts and actions in the world are going to determine the fate of humankind for ages to come. And when we think about nuclear power and um, all the ways that technology can use, be, good, be used for good or used to, for destructive purposes, we can see that we have that very choice in front of us that the Atlanteans had. And they, they didn't make the right choices, most of them. Well, Nancy, I really want to thank you for coming on and talking to us about uh, what amounts to an incredible moral tale for our times. And uh, unfortunately, we are coming to a close today. So again, thank you very much. And I want to tell my listeners that uh, next week, I will be interviewing D-Chips, DSW, CRM, Master Hypnotherapist, and Life Between Lives Hypnotherapist, who is also owner of American Holistic University and president owner of the National Association of Transpersonal Hypnotherapists. We will discuss the process of Life Between Lives Hypnotherapy, first popularized in the works of Michael Newton, starting in 1994. In 2000, Dee, along with her late husband, Alan Chips, and in collaboration with Newton, designed and implemented the first LBL certification training program under the auspices of NAC. With the help of case studies, Dee will talk about how the process works. It starts with the clients going back to a past life and then entering the interlife after the death in that life, and meeting guides, his and her soul group, various schools, the Council of Elders, and those whom he or she will contract to work with in the next lifetime. This is Dr. Joe Mancini, your host for Explorations in Consciousness with Dr. Joe. May you all open to the peace of all that is in every moment of your lives. Thank you so much for listening, and a hearty good day to all of you. Thank you for tuning in to Explorations in Consciousness with Dr. Joe. Please join us again next Tuesday morning at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. We'll offer another enlightening program next week.